You are listening to a Banzai Retro Club podcast. Language and topics may not always be appropriate for younger listeners. Press 1 for a groovy topic from the 1970s. Press 2 for an awesome topic from the 1980s. Or press 3 for a slamming topic from the 1990s. Please choose now. Too late. We have made your selection for you. Let's start the show. This is a something podcast. Ever seen a spook, specter, or ghost? If the answer is yes, then don't wait another minute. Pick up your phone and call the professionals. Go Ghostbusters! Our courteous and efficient staff is on call 24 hours a day to serve all your supernatural elimination needs. We're ready to believe you! Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. It to each other. Party on, dudes! Hey, this is Bonsai Retro Club. I am Dave. I am so glad to have you listening to us once again. Thank you for tuning in, listener. Uh, online, I've got Rose. Hello. Hello, love. And I've got Suzanne. Hi. Hello. Hello. So, uh, what we've decided to do is we're going to we're talking about the top ten highest grossing movies of the 1980s, uh, and what we're going to do is we're going to we have a the list of you know based on box office draw. I actually read the little blurb uh, on the article because the the totals that for each one of these movies. Um, is actually butts in seats. This isn't like an actual just domestic sales. So this is just U.S. So this doesn't even account for how well the movie did internationally or once it made it onto VHS. So these are the top 10 1980s movies, uh, and they're all pretty obvious. And, I, and I've got to tell you, I am so glad that I have a list of 80s movies in front of me that I can safely say I've seen them all. Uh that, that that hasn't been happening. If you've been listening to the uh, the journey that I've been doing with the essential movies, you know I'm hitting spots where it's been like I haven't seen this, and you know I in in some ways those are like you know what I consider 80s gaps. Um, and if it's on this list, then it's a big big major gap. But yeah, yeah in this case, all these are really obvious. Uh, what I want to do is I'll quickly run through the, the list and how much money they made domestically. Uh, and then we're just going to take our turn and, you know, talk about, you know, whatever, whatever movie we want to talk about on this list. Uh, so the number 10 movie is Top Gun, which uh, made $176.8 million. Uh, number nine, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Uh, made 197.2 million. 
Uh, Back to the Future made $210.6 million. Uh, our number seven is Beverly Hills Cop, uh, $234.8 million. Uh, of course, you know, you had to have Eddie Murphy in there. Uh, Ghostbusters, uh, $238.6 million. Our number five choice is Raiders of the Lost Ark at $242.4 million. Uh, number four, my man Batman. Uh, of course, you know, got to represent. $251.2 million. Uh, number three, uh, no big surprise here, Empire Strikes Back, $290.2 million. And that only gets beat out by Return of the Jedi for $309.1 million. And the, big, the biggest movie that got the biggest draw, E.T., The Extraterrestrial, for $399.8 million. So... It's it's so interesting to think about this, you know, from the dollar perspective. You know, this doesn't even account for, like I said, international or any post sales. So, like, if you had any marketing that was going along with it, that that doesn't even account for any of that. So, you know, these movies were making even more than this. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it's you know the the term that we were you know thinking of before was blockbuster, and that definitely applies for these because they, I mean they made yeah they made wow. the money. Um, so with this list, um, Suzanne, you, you actually found the list earlier. Was there any of these movies that drew your attention immediately? Jeez. All these, (laughs) all these do. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I think that back to the future is maybe one of the most perfect movies ever made. So I guess this is my chance to say that. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> but it's just, it's a complicated plot because he's jumping back and forth in time and, and the the characters in the movie appear in, at different ages in their life. Um, and But yet, with all that going on, like every little plot hole is plugged in this movie. Everything makes sense. You can't really point to everything and say, gee, well, I don't get it. Why did that happen? Everything happens for just like the perfect reason. So it's just, it's one of the best movies ever made, I think. And just a real cool, feel good, get the job done movie. <laughs> Definitely. Um, and Gotta love it, it. It's quintessential 80s. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, it really put DeLorean on the map. Uh, and just, you know, you had an icon like Michael J. Fox. Um, yeah, and we've talked about this movie as, you know, we've talked about pretty much all these movies, but, you know, I mean, I remember, you know, looking at the movie and thinking that really, you know, there was two people that really didn't, or only one person that changed, you know, during each incantation of, you know, whether it was the older or younger version of the person or even in the different timelines, and, you know, that was a complexity that was Leia Thompson's character. Everyone else is basically playing the same character. You know, Biff was always a jerk, regardless of whatever timeline he was in. But, you know, Leia had to deal with the challenges of, you know, whatever her situation was. You know, where she had her husband who basically just watched the Honeymooners all the time and, you know, would you know pay attention to the TV versus listening to her. Um, and then, you know, then it would, it would evolve into when, you know, George was more of a, 
uh, well-together, successful person, and then, you know, her character had evolved as well. Um, so, you know, I, I, I always love that because, you know, obviously I have a, a thing for Leia, but, you know, I mean, yes. you know, I, I, I appreciate, you know, when, you know, a person's character can transport you, you know, into their role. And, you know, obviously, you know, she did that for me. Cool. Um, so Rose, what about you? What's, yes. what, what's some movie on here that you want to talk about? Well, um, there's quite a few, uh, really good movies on here. Um, I have to, I think, I think I have to go with Ghostbusters mainly because it's definitely one of my five movies, <laughs> isn't it? I thought. Five movies I can't live without. I don't yeah. know. Maybe that was Jurassic mm-hmm. Park. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, it was again uh, to to echo Suzanne's sentiment about uh, Back to the Future. I think Ghostbusters was such a great movie to make. The premise of the storyline was far-fetched but believable. Not that, you know, time travel isn't <laughs> far-fetched at all. But Yeah, know, but in, you're right. In the context of the film, they, yeah. they made it feel real enough that this could actually be going on in right. you know, one of the biggest in the world. One of the best uh, ensemble casts, truthfully, um, you got, you know, Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramos and, sorry, <laughs> <laughs> I knew I was going to do that. I know who you are. Please don't hate me. Um, Ernie Hudson. There you go. Thank you. Uh, you, like, did you river. Google that or did you know it? I'm thinking. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I pulled it off her head. I was like, it's a river someplace. I'm not sure. <laughs> I like Ernie Hudson. I like Ernie Hudson. I do too. I think he's amazing. You know, even uh, I like him in uh, uh, Frankie and Grace. Yeah, Grace and Frankie. I love yeah. Grace and Frankie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's he's Frankie's yam man. Yeah. <laughs> So awesome. Yeah, I wish she would have just went with him to uh, San Antonio, wherever he ended up. <laughs> Me too. I'm so sad. But, but anyway, Angela. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so Ghostbusters, because I love ghost stories. I have like an affinity for, you know, but they have to be really well made, um, uh, and I don't want to say believable, but the, it can't be. You can't just bullshit your way through a movie with ghosts i mean you know because they don't uh they remember stuff so <laughs> you gotta pay pay homage to to them properly um i just think that truthfully it was a one-of-a-kind uh moment in in movie history i i really don't feel as though it needed a follow-up or a sequel or a reboot. Honestly, I just, 
you know, it's just it's just too good of a movie with too good of a cast. It's really amazing dialogue, you know, and I just I just really love it. And then to see that, you know, it's it's number six, you know, it really kind of warms the the cod pieces of my heart. <laughs> You know what really struck me about this movie at the time? And let me know if you feel differently. But I, I remember uh, around that time, either you were a comedy or you were a horror movie. There weren't many that were kind of both. You didn't get a comedy movie that had these kind of cool special effects and sci-fi going on. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they, they meshed those two together. And made it all work, and that it made it just such a spectacular thing at the time because it was so much fun. Yeah, yeah. Having both of those together was so much fun. Yeah. Yeah, it's like the horror element wasn't a gag for them. It was like you know such an integral part of the movie and Mm -hmm. natural for their world, and you believed it. You know, you believed you know what they had to deal with, and yeah, it wasn't like you know like I said. You know, a gag element, you know, just get more laughs. Yeah, definitely. Mm. So, just, you know, just really, and the the special effects still work to this day. They do. Like, they don't take themselves quite that seriously. Right. But they're still pretty good effects. And, you know, once again, if it was a comedy movie, you you weren't expecting that kind of thing. Right. At the time. Yeah. What is it that uh, Bill Bill Murray says um, when the mayor asks him, "Is this true?" And he says, "You know, absolutely, Your Honor. This man has no dick. <laughs> you know, it's just like." Yeah, is doing such and such. You know. Exactly. That's what I heard. Well, Bill Murray is just the ultimate smartass, and this was a forum for him to just let that loose absolutely it totally was and you know because we thought up until this point how, how could he get any better you know with caddyshack and and uh, meatballs and you know it was just stripes. so much stripes yeah, yeah. with stripes. all of all of everything you know <laughs> that he'd been in you know and snl and all of that you know it's just like what's he gonna do you know, and to and to find out initially, I mean, if you ever did any like research on it, and I'm sure you both have, uh, that Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi wrote initially had this idea. They were going to make a movie from it, and John Belushi was going to be in it, and he was going to play Bankman. I did not you know? know that. Wow. Yeah. I think yeah. I remember that. It, it is that. It was like 10 years before this even came about because mm-hmm. Dan Aykroyd is like a fucking genius. Yeah. I think he could just like belong to Menta or something. I don't know. He's <laughs> super smart. But yeah. So what's your, what's, I'm just curious people's favorite parts in the movie. Like what's your favorite part that always makes you laugh or gasp or, uh, you know, kind <laughs> of like, oh, that was gross. <laughs> Ray, crossing the streams is bad, Ray. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little fuzzy on this whole cro- bad thing. 
<laughs> okay, imagine oh the God. whole world just, you know, falling apart. Okay, that's bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great conversation. So, no, wait, this is good. Right. If someone asks you if you're a god, you say yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> It's like, they're kind of making up the rules as they go along here. Oh, my gosh. Um, mine, <laughs> mine is a toss-up between uh, the old lady, the librarian yeah. at the beginning. Yeah. And um, you know, when she's explaining, you know, what happened and, you know, what she saw and everything. I love her voice. I've, you know, I loved her in uh, Tu Wong Fu, you know. <laughs> Uh, thanks, whatever the title is. Tu Wong Fu, that's all I'm going to call it. And she plays, you know, um, the old lady that was did cinema or something. I don't know. But anyway, that the woman that does that character, her voice is just so New York, it's not even funny. It's just, she's just so New York. <laughs> and um, I just love listening to her explaining what has happened. She's just really talking very slowly you know, so she can get it all out and then um oh my god so i'm just drawing a blank homeboy uh who is the accountant rick rick moranis, moranis. yeah thank you and he's got the party going on he's explaining like he's getting dividends and he's kickbacks and all this stuff you know something about a seat of benefit if you got a headache i don't know he's just doing the whole accountant thing he's not even like having fun at his own party he's just like networking throws the stuff in the room with the hell the hellhound is like okay who brought the dog maybe i got a new phone yeah. <laughs> oh my god this it's is like supreme- you go yeah, the supreme irony of him turning into the key master who, uh, you know, <laughs> is out there with Dana the wild demon woman. Exactly. <laughs> to this day, if I hear anything about key master or gatekeeper, I am like all over that shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like the, the key <laughs> you know, sometimes people get it, sometimes they don't. So that's okay. <laughs> I get it. The, the irony of the the giant melting marshmallow man just stamping his way down mm-hmm. Fifth Avenue or wherever he is. And, and that leads into my favorite part, you know, the, uh, the where, yeah. where they're like, you know, trying to, he's like, oh, so you think of J. Edgar Hoover, J. Edgar Hoover is going to come here and destroy us all. So clear your minds. We only have one chance at this. Clear your minds. And then it's like, you know, the destroyer has been chosen. And it's like, oh, wait a minute. I didn't choose anything. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't choose anything. My mind was completely blank. Ray, what did you do? <laughs> it just popped in there. <laughs> tried to think of the most harmless thing from my childhood. <laughs> what did you do, Ray? <laughs> the ground starts to yeah. shake. This is Dave Puff Marshall, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was great. I was like, oh my god. Ray has lost it. What do you have now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but I love when the marshmallow guy is just like screaming and on fire and melting yeah. like a you know, like a demon, yeah. you know? It's just yeah. that's a kick. 
Like, everybody grab a stick. (laughs) Nobody steps at a church in my town. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Too funny. Now I have to watch it again. (laughs) Well, of course. It never gets old. No. It never gets old. These movies never get get old. I try not to watch them too often, um, you know, to keep that (laughs) kind of freshness there. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I have to wonder. See, when I was, uh, if you go back to the 80s, like uh, kind of like Back to the Future, you know, you go, he went back into the 50s, which mm-hmm. like is longer now a jump than for us to go back to when this movie came out. And yeah. I, I have to wonder that my kids or people even younger than my kids, because my kids are grown, mm-hmm. are looking back at us like this film looked at the 50s which to me it's just like it doesn't seem that different <laughs> you know? yeah yeah to me, you're I right. feel like it eased into the future you know right <laughs> i'm sure you know that's just my own illusion from my own perspective so. oh my god Suzanne, i just had the stupidest thought that could be like the senior citizens version <laughs> like in 10 years ease into the future <laughs> ease into the future <laughs> <laughs> uh. Oh my god, let's get on that. You're the right. Okay. <laughs> it was a dark and stormy night. Anyway. <laughs> uh. Oh gosh, I didn't need any wine. This is great. <laughs> oh my god. So we gotta each other. <laughs> So I guess the movie that I want to talk about, um, yeah. the, the one that you know I've talked about many times. I'm not going to retell the story, but you know, summer of '89, Batman. Uh, you know, I'm not going to go down that road again. I mean, that is just to me, you know, the end all be all. But there's another movie that's on this list that was a game changer, almost a life changer. Um, you know, as far as like. The giving me that moment when you know my in my childhood to go, what the fuck just happened? Um, and Empire Strikes Back, the moment when you find out Darth Vader is Luke's dad, and mm. it was like you know when you're in the theater, you're like, did that really just happen? Is is, is that where they're going with this? He cut off his hand and then he tells him he's his dad. Are you, what? What just happened? What are they yeah. doing here? <laughs> and it, it, you're like, it made you like, just cannot wait to find out what happened next in the saga, the saga. And mm-hmm. it was, you know, that was it. That was, that was a game changer. And it was like, you know, Star Wars for what it was when it came out was monumental. But then Empire Strikes Back just took it to a whole nother level that you didn't even see coming, you know? Mm-hmm. And it was like, that, you know, that's what you need movies to be. You you need them to be surprising and you know not predictable. And at the first viewing of Empire Strikes Back, I didn't see that coming. So it was yeah. it was a beautiful thing. I remember it being a big a, a big deal twist. Yeah. Uh, to the point. Where, well, I think. Yeah, I forget what what year this came out. It was kind of early in the eighties, if I remember. Um, was it like, was it like 81 maybe? 
I was going to guess 82, but let me find out. Okay. Well, yeah, probably probably pretty close. But uh, in any case, I remember... Oh, 1980, really? Yeah, right on the... I was just, right so there. I was still in high school because I didn't see this in the theater. I saw Star Wars in the theater. Okay. And I remember cool. that just being... That just blew everybody out of the water. Right. Um, from the first moment that the, the first, you know, the starship came on screen. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not see this, but I do remember my brother telling me that that's what happened, that Darth Vader is Luke's father. Spoiler! Um, <laughs> I know. But, yeah, I do remember kind of being in disbelief. Like, how could they How could they do that to him? You know? Right. How could they do that to Luke? You know, because I had a thing for him. <laughs> <laughs> I had a little picture on my wall of Mark Hamill. <laughs> oh, he was a cutie. But, yeah, I, I have to imagine that. I, I, I don't know. I guess there were twists and turns in movies before, but one that big and that iconic right. that had taken off so crazy to then hang that albatross on his neck. That was yeah. just kind of, that seemed unfair to me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but it's great. It's great filmmaking in the end. Just you know, at the time I was kind of like, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. I don't believe you. <laughs> okay, so I probably haven't seen this movie as much as you all have, and I'm just going to put it out there. Feel free to laugh if you want. Um, so when they're having the duel, and he cuts his hand up, doesn't he like fall down? Like, yeah, Luke intentionally like falls down the big chasm, right? That they were fighting on, right? Yeah. Do I, you think? Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I was going to say, yeah, it was, you know, basically Vader was holding his hand out, saying, you know, come with me, we're going to rule the universe together as father and son, blah blah blah, mm-hmm. you know, come, you know, I'll teach you, you know, the, the you know, the proper way of the Force, i.e., the dark side. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, we'll, you know, we'll be in charge of everything, you know, and that was essentially, you know, what he was offering to Luke and Luke right. is out on this platform. You know, there's nothing around him other than this, you know, void of space. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he has to make a choice. Is he going to let Vader help him or is he going to, you know, just essentially drop and, you know, he right. made the choice to drop. Right. So that had probably, with the mixed emotions I'm sure he was experiencing, you know, I don't want to be at all psychological or anything, but he chose the way of good as opposed to the dark side. But also, I think he was probably hoping that he wouldn't make it because how can you except, you know, that horrible realization that, you know, this this dark entity of evil, you know, is your dad. Right. You know, and it just, to me, I mean, it's, it's, like I said, it's a brave gesture. It's like, how I'd rather die than join you. You know, he didn't actually say that, but, you know, like I said, he made the, I think he said something no. close to that. Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just remember Maybe hearing not. him scream no. Yeah. Yeah. No. 
with a but, very uh, very ugly face. He 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 pulled a very yeah. ugly face very well in that. Wind blowing and <laughs> yeah, it was dramatic. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, so that that always kind of stuck with me, you know, that you could just be all all that kind of you know, and all that integrity and humility. Now, question for you guys. Well, especially for you, Dave. Um, I have heard in all this, uh, you know, all the making of Star Wars type of things that have gone on through the years, that George Lucas will will claim that he had this plot all figured out from the get-go, that they were twins, and that's, you know, was the basis of the story from the beginning, even though that didn't feature into the original film. Um and that this was all plotted down in his head, you know, kind of the direction of the of the three films from the get-go. So he would have known that this was his father. Do you believe that? Because I don't. <laughs> he actually had nine chapters, all nine chapters that have now been made into film. He had that plotted out. I don't know. I don't think if that's the case, then I don't think it was very well executed in the first film. Because I, I don't think that there was, um, I don't think that there was accurate foreshadowing for that. Well, I, I think if I, I would have to look it up, I would have to look it up. But you know, I, I think you would have to go with the assumption that someone's given me the ability to put at least one of my ideas into a film. So I have to try to make it a self-contained unit because I don't know if somebody's going to give me the rights to do more of them. So I think that might have taken into account why it was kind of its own kind of unit, you know, where, you know, you didn't have that foreshadowing like you do when you get to Empire where you saw, you know, what was being set up for Return of the Jedi. Um, so, yeah, I, I've got to believe that it was executed with the thought process that he's, he, he thought he'd probably only be able to get one of them uh, made. But then I'm sure it got released. You know, the 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 studio saw how successful it was and was like, yeah, yeah, here's some more money, go make more. <laughs> yeah, that that's my Definitely. assumption. Um, I'd have to okay. you know research it a little bit more, but that that's what I think would have happened. Hmm. It's just just to <laughs> piggyback on that. I think you know he could say anything he wants. You know, I mean, it's not like there's a whole lot of massive integrity in Hollywood as far as movie making is concerned, <laughs> because everybody's got their own idea and style and what have you with, well, I did this in this movie because I thought that, you know, from this angle, the camera angle looked really good in the sunset and this, that, and the other. It's just like, Nine times out of ten, you probably just got lucky, you know. <laughs> so to be able to say, hey, I had this all the I meant to do that. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm a little torn. I'm a little torn because in yeah. the first film, I think that they had were setting up. And I could completely believe that. All right. Well, you're doing the one movie. It's kind of a low budget thing. You don't have any any major actors in in it, really. So, yeah, you're not really precipitating that you're going to need to tell a story that's going to completely mesh with a whole other, you know, generation of films. Right. Um, but 
by the same token, I feel like they were definitely setting up a little love triangle kind of thing between Leia and and Han and Luke that in retrospect is a little creepy. Yeah. No, completely right. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I feel like that's a little telltale sign that as far as this whole universe that he had in his head for all these chapters, I think maybe that was aspirational as opposed to actually fleshed out. So yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I still don't know if I buy it. I mean, Lucas is also, you know, I mean, by and large, egotistical. <laughs> so yeah, okay. Yeah, so I mean, sure, he can make a claim like that, and who's going to know any better? Um, but I'd always heard that he had had, you know, all nine chapters plotted out, and he had picked the, you know, for the where to start, you know, being chapter four, um, you know, as kind of the, you know, just. What what made sense for the you know the, the the best story to get out there first? Um, so, but like I said, I, I I've got to believe that at the time you you were given a you didn't get the license to say yeah you're going to be able to make all nine of these you know so go ahead and do it the way you want to do it. I got to imagine there was some trepidation to say you want to spend how much to make this movie really. Ugh. <laughs> Uh, okay, yeah. go ahead. Um, good luck. <laughs> That's our money you're using, by the way. <laughs> so, yeah, but, um, yeah, I, but, you know, that, that's what I got to believe, you know, that, you know, it, it was not knowing what was going to happen, you know, in the future, mm. but you're right. It, there was kind of a love triangle thing going on with Han, Leia and Luke. Um, yeah, on the first one. Is she going to be in love with? Right. right. And then even in that movie that I just talked about, you know, Empire Strikes Back. I mean, she kisses Luke. You know, she kissed her brother. Yeah. And I was like, what? Yeah. but you didn't know it at the it time. Is. You know, right yeah. now, now it's weird. Now it's weird, right? But <laughs> yeah, but by the same token, I, like I can see the the wheels must have been turning in. Lucas's head saying, okay, so how are we going to resolve that triangle so that Luke still gets to be the hero, but he doesn't get the girl? Right. Gee, if they were secret twins, then there would no longer be an issue. Right. So that, in my mind, like, that's what I see happening. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, because, you know, any good writer, you know, once they paint themselves in a corner... They go, hmm, how do yeah, I get out of this now? Twist. You know, it's very soap opera. Yeah. Secret oh, it is. Who grew up separated. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like children. <laughs> now, I had heard that, um, you know, going into another movie that's on the list, Return of the Jedi, that the, um, the scene where Vader picks up the Emperor and throws him over and, you know, dies. You know, that was originally going to be Luke picking up the Emperor and throwing him over the side. Um, and they actually filmed that, but they, like, the actual intention or the original script of that happening was kind of like as a, you know, Lucas would do that where he would give p certain people the script, you know, have a different script or a different way the story went just to throw people off mm -hmm. so he can monitor who's telling people, you know, you know, Telling the media oh, or anything like that. Yeah, there you go. Clever. So, it, clever. so, so the actors didn't actually know 
officially what was going to happen until, you know, they see it on the big screen and they go, oh, okay, they use that part, you know. So. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, going back at the, the beginning of the list, just so we can kind of hit on each one of these, um, Top mm-hmm. Gun, uh, you know, it, I, I've said what I, you know, what I continue to say about Tom Cruise. I think he was overhyped, um, you know, back in the eighties, you know, he's just a pretty boy. Um, mm-hmm. I, I still don't give him credit for being a decent actor. I mean, I loved him in a few good men. Um, but there's not a lot of movies that I can say that about, you know, Mr. Cruise. Um, but top gun, you know, I get, you know, what that represented in the eighties, you know, you had this, you know, this, this love story, you know, with fighter jets, I mean, mm-hmm. of course it's going to be successful, right? I mean, you've got, you know, it's a date movie. It's got, you know, guys wanting to go see it because you've got, you know, fighter jets, you know, mm-hmm. blasting each other out of the sky. Mm-hmm. You know, this mm-hmm. is a win-win scenario for this movie, right? Absolutely. And then, you know, you I'm, get to I'm see, not... uh, you know, Iceman with a shirt off and playing volleyball, so... <laughs> I had a huge thing for Tom Cruise at the time. I mean, it's kind of sad because I think he got a little nutty, Tom Cruise, at yeah. the end. But at the time, I was just so taken with him. My God. And I don't know. I look back. I watched this movie again recently and said, Tim, I found the pacing to be a little weird uh, compared to movies today. I guess you get used to things just immediately being you know on fire and crazy but uh but it was still like so much fun to watch him and i'd like the drama of the i didn't think the love story was that hot but the drama of that story was goose going down yeah um Mm -hmm. that was a that was a rough moment and it made it more than just an adventure story you know um and as far as tom cruise goes he had his moments Rain Man was was pretty cool movie. Uh, he did a real good job, and he was not um, he was not a real symp- sympathetic character in that film. Right. Oh no, no, he was. And if you, yeah, and if you saw a film called Born on the Fourth of July. Yep, seen that. Uh, that was a really serious film, and he did a he did an excellent job. Uh, and you know he's had all other leading man moments, even you know way into like I think Minority Report was a pretty cool movie too. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, so the, the I, argument could be made that that's a good one. Yeah, I think he's done some good work, uh, but it was more just I just love watching him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Looking at him. Did, did Do you have a poster of him? <laughs> I had better. I can't. I, I have to find where it is. I have a, a picture. I worked at Columbia Pictures. I, I've mentioned in the um, in the eighties. Yeah. In nineteen eighty six, when this film came out. I have an autographed shot of him in a, a, a photo of him in that um, in the the aircraft. Okay, nice. That my bosses in California got for me. They got him to sign it and they sent it to me. Nice. Aww. Uh, I I have it somewhere. I wasn't That's there when sweet. it was signed. That you know, but they but that's they, okay. you know, they thought of yeah, you. They knew they knew I had a big crush. And you know, he was in the building. <laughs> this is funny. He was in the building once. Like we would, we would cruise around the building at Columbia Pictures whenever there was a rumor that somebody famous was in the building. Right. 
Um, I rode the elevator for like 45 minutes up and down, up and down, up and down the day that Tom Cruise was, was rumored to be in my building. Mm. Did not catch him, but oh. I really tried. <laughs> now, didn't you also tell a story about Sylvester Stallone? Like you like oh, yeah, stalking him to, did you guys actually work? <laughs> Oh, you know, I have to be honest with you. I did not work a lot. I did not work a lot. This, there was not a lot to do. I went nuts. I and you'd think that that sounds great that there was not a lot to do, especially because here and there the writers would strike. Like I was a script researcher. Okay. I had to make sure it was like kind of a fact checker. I had to make sure that nobody who was mentioned in the script was that there actually was a cop by the name of you know whatever who lived in Louisiana for the Big Easy or whatever. Um, Sometimes the writers would strike, and then there wouldn't even be any scripts. There was nothing. I, I would sit at, in, in this tiny little office with no windows and oh. go out of my mind. Mm. It was crazy. So one of the things that you would do is go out and walk around the city, you know? Sure. So I have to say, yeah, we, we did those kind of things. We did chase the, Sylvester Sloan down Fifth Avenue when he was, <laughs> <laughs> he was, he was looking through jewelry stores for an, an engagement ring for for Brigitte right. Nielsen, so we nice. we did those kind of things. And when we did, so when somebody did have a celebrity sighting, there was like a whole network of phones that would go go off. We would all call each other, <laughs> so be, everybody, all our friends, could come and catch the person. So That's awesome. it was fun. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So how did? <laughs> I just I can't let this go. How did you choose the elevator for uh, Tom Cruise, like to try to catch him? Oh, because a lot of times that's how you would end up meeting the person. You would ride the elevator, okay, and they would get in. And I rode the elevator with Dustin Hoffman and with Kevin Bacon. Nice, nice. Yeah, not bad. And my my best buddy rode the elevator with Michael J. Fox. Ah, wow. Nobody found. Tom Cruise, but that was the thing. Like you would, it, it was the elevators. Like these people didn't just hang around in the lobby. <laughs> yeah, well, like, take the elevators. <laughs> Knowing Tom Cruise, he probably went to the roof and like hang slid. Yeah, off the top of the roof or some shit. You know. Yeah, went through like the air ducts or something. <laughs> Ran down the stairs. Yeah, there you go. The air ducts. Yeah, all dressed in black, hanging from wires over the conference <laughs> table. <laughs> No, that was that was pre Mission Impossible, but you know what I mean. Yes, definitely. So then, what do you say to Dustin Hoffman? Yeah, so, yeah. You know, I, I didn't really say anything because he was there with two other people, but they were having a conversation. You, mm. you know, like I didn't like I I was excited about it, but like I didn't want to be rude and yeah. like I worked there, I had to like you know be a company, mm. be a corporate person. Or, you know, as close as I could be at, like, 23. Um, but he was, uh, in fact, I didn't really realize who it was until I heard him talk because I recognized his voice. Oh, yeah. But mm-hmm. it's back in the 80s. Number one, he's, like, five foot two. He's about as big as me. And number two, he was completely gray, which at the time, in 1986, he was not on screen. Yes. So, um, so I, I wasn't really sure who that was I was standing with. But he started talking and he sounded just like Dustin Hoffman. Nice. It was, it was un, undeniably suddenly Dustin Hoffman. So, 
So I didn't say anything. Yeah, I just don't know what right. I, I don't have like anything. I wouldn't have anything prepared for that. Like you know, hey, that's <laughs> all you get. <laughs> I think I would have told him like if I just had that scenario in my head, I probably would have interrupted only because I couldn't contain myself. So you know, and say, uh, Mr. Hoffman, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I really loved you in the Night Cowboy. It was a stellar performance, which mm-hmm. it was. And that would be the only thing I would say. I guess. But in the moment, I though, him. I mean, you talk yeah. about an elevator speech, yeah. you have, like, a, a 30 count that you're in the elevator with this person yeah. and you're trying to yeah. figure out if it actually is who you think it is. Right. So you don't yeah. have a lot of time to kind of come up no. with the, the line no. form. So. Yeah. so that was basically the idea. That's cool, though. I like Dustin so, um, Rose, did you have anything on Top Gun? Oh, my God. Um, seen that movie so many times, way too many times, and I should have watched it. Uh, just completely enamored with Tom Cruise uh, in the movie. I, I did try to go back and watch it uh, probably about 10 or 15 years ago, and I was like, <laughs> I couldn't, couldn't do it. I'd seen it so many well, times. Well, just... because your perception of Tom Cruise had changed, or you just didn't well, like the here's, movie? Here's the deal, okay? Um, so I was massively in love with Tom Cruise at some point, and then he did uh, Born on the Fourth of July, and for some reason the, the whole movie just didn't resonate with me, and. I don't know if he did that first and then he did cocktail, but he started doing this, this string of movies that just really wasn't, you know, my cup of tea. You know, I think he did that one with the race car. Didn't really care for that one. So I just kind of stopped watching him. And then, you know, nineties came and of course, far and away was, you know, a big draw, uh, with Nicole Kidman. And then I was just like, and it kind of put me off again. And I probably was, I think I was kind of anti-Tom Cruise for quite a while until I saw him in Minority Report. And he redeemed himself somehow. And to this day, I don't even know what my beef was, truthfully. I mean, he's a, he's a very, he's a, he's a very good actor. Uh, he's very smart. He's really 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 stuck on himself and i guess <laughs> if i was tom cruise i would be too but <laughs> yeah after a while you know it's just make it a little too obvious but um this movie was different i mean i, I kind of get into like movies like this like more movies and, and i've seen all the you know like black hawk down and stuff like that and I thought this one was really different. And it is a really good date movie. Um, I I have to say, as far as the relationship with him and Kelly McGillis, I just, it was not believable. Right. You know, and I had a really hard time with that because I don't know if, I don't want to say it wasn't romantic enough. I just feel as though you had two really arrogant people. <laughs> We're trying to make a relationship work, and it's not happening. 
you know, I, one I of agree. you. I was not taken. I was not, you know, transported by that relationship. Yeah. She no. seemed too old for him and yeah. too serious. And like, she didn't really get how. No. You know, that's the thing. <laughs> The, okay, the relationship so that I got better at, that I got a better read on was the bromance between Goose and Maverick. There yeah. you go. Yeah, that was that, way that more was believable. Unbelievable. Yeah. Right, because Goose and Maverick. That was that was the heart of that film. Right. She had this is to me, and, and I'm not saying this to diminish anything against you know intelligent women, you know, and educators and things like that. Here she is. She's an educator at the academy. And she still doesn't get it. It's like, how do you either she didn't get it or she didn't want to get it. That's my thing. I think she had like this kind of like a bitter kind of attitude towards a lot of the students because you how do you, how do you not have moxie and you're going to be flying something that powerful? You have to either be insane or just massively arrogant and egotistical, you know. But you have to have some form of confidence before you get up there, you know, in yeah. order to perform and, and be the best. You're not there because you're last place, you know. You're there because you're the best, you know. Um, and I just really felt as though she didn't really um, – she wasn't on board with that. I really did. Another thing that irritates me about Tom Cruise, he has to sing. In all of his <laughs> yeah, and he doesn't and do it well. He's not a very good singer. No. Uh, I don't and think I he's much of a singer. Anyone telling me, but he did all of his own singing in Rock of Ages. Don't care. Oh, oh Rock of Ages. He's funny in Rock of Ages. Oh, he's dear God, that movie sucked. Turns. <laughs> much of a movie i have to say but i think his portrayal of that rock star guy was funny <laughs> maybe i don't know if it was supposed to be funny but yeah so uh, i know i'll never see it uh so well anyway so it, that's my take on that i i i think the real problem for kelly mcgillis uh in top gun mm -hmm. is well you know she's lost that love and feeling <laughs> yeah there you go. yeah uh, that is the irony of it, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. That just kind of sums her up in general. God, I hate it when they do well that. Well done. <laughs> well done, Overlord. You never You're close awesome. your eyes anymore when I kiss your lips. All right, never mind. Okay. Okay. I need Scott. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you got <laughs> it. Or a bar full of drunk people. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Yes, let's go run out and get some, shall we? <laughs> I need a mask few more beers. <laughs> um, all right. Regulators, mask up. Anyway. So the next movie, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Um, I thought this was a very fun uh, movie. I actually loved the interaction between Sean Connery and uh, Harrison Ford. You know, I loved the, you know, rather than giving like a sidekick kind of a character, but, you know, to give somebody that had some pull and influence on Indiana yeah. Jones, I thought that was very yes. well done. Uh, so I actually thought this was really fun uh, movie. And 
you know, even the point where he's always calling him Junior, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Stop calling we me named, that, Dad. We named the dog Indiana. <laughs> <laughs> There's some good lines in this film. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No ticket. I really saw it a couple times. Yeah. But no, I, I totally agree. I love I love the, the interaction. They had really good chemistry on camera. Uh, Sean Connery, you know, is he's had a few movies that, you know, a little, you know, skeptical, but as a whole, you know, he's a very good actor and he's an even better comedic actor, I think, because he spent so many of his years playing such serious characters, you know, but, um, yeah, him and Harrison Ford together, which is, I, this is my favorite out of the Indiana Jones franchise, I guess you could call it. This would be my well, second. Well, they kind of tanked a little. Yeah, they tanked a little with that that middle one. So yeah. Oh god. That, yeah. <laughs> that that that's not even number three. That's like I a way 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 down, down the list. Uh, yeah. You know. They could get away with anything. You know, they, they could get away with anything, and it just didn't work. The no, the, the crystal skull is the newer one, right? Yeah, yeah. That's even if you want to count that as like you know part of the it's franchise. Not quite the same. Yeah. But I would pick the crystal skull over. Um, Temple of Doom, we need to do the week twice on Sunday. Oh, Temple, of Doom, okay. Temple of Doom just was bad on so many levels. I don't think I saw that one. Uh, the, well, the, the one with Short Round. Uh, oh, is that the little kid? Yeah. Oh, Data the from, one Goonies? from Goonies? Yeah. yeah, I think I did see that one, and I just, you know, I think I got up and did the dishes or yeah, something. It, yeah, you should have, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, now here it is. As a kid, I when I when I saw Temple of Doom, I think I, you know, it was okay. But when I when we went to go revisit it, because Scott and I did the we revisited all the Indiana Jones movies, and so we decided that we're going to watch them before we talked about them. And yeah. I, oh, it's like one of those things where it was better in the top shelf of my memory. But you you pull that sucker out and you rewatch it, you're like, what in the hell was I thinking uh, when I was a kid? <laughs> it was bad on so um, many levels. Hey, you know what? I just remind me to ask you guys something after the show. Ooh! Somebody brought a movie to my attention that they said that they watched it like on rotation or something, and I'd never heard of this damn thing. So I need, I need to get some of the experts. I told them I was going to talk to you guys about it today. All right. So. Well, if it's for, for Ben Zone, do not watch it. Do not. <laughs> no. Do not watch it. Approach with caution. <laughs> that thing it could spontaneous combust at any minute. Don't. Yeah. Okay, don't. She was a kid when this movie came out, so I don't think she'd be watching the Forbidden Zone. Okay. okay. All right. All right. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, All right, so next movie on the list, Back to the Future, we already talked about. So we're going to go to the next one, Beverly Hills Cop. Uh, (laughs) I mean, Eddie Murphy was on fire in the 80s. He was great. Yeah. Eddie Murphy was great. And this movie just solidified that. And, you know, he he was already doing so many wonderful things. His stand-up act was getting blown up. But, you know, putting him as the, you know, sarcastic Detroit cop that has to go to Beverly Hills to solve his friend's murder. And you just, <sighs> it, it, there's so much 
great things about this movie and just Eddie being Eddie uh, and, mm-hmm. you know, in this uptight world. And then, you know, everybody around him, you know, just, you know, by proxy loosening up, you know, their, you know, uptightedness, you know, to really, you know, cause at the end, you know, they were kind of, you know, a, a you know, laid a little bit more laid back, especially when the, uh, uh, he wasn't a chief, was he? The chief talking to the commander, you know, basically, you know, doing, you know, lying, you know, through the whole thing, which at the beginning of the movie, he would yeah. have never would have done that. You know? Threw him under the bus every single chance he got. Right. But yeah. Yeah. But, you know, they came around. They came around and they're like, well, yeah. this, this, this is going to make my life a lot easier. I'm just going to tell this little fib and well, big fib. And, you know, we're just going to go with yeah. it and see what, where it takes it. I'm going to, I'm going to take a page out of Axel Foley's, you know, uh, book. Uh, and you know, yeah. it worked. <laughs> so, yeah. and I, I love, yeah. love, love Judge Dreinhold's character, Billy. Me too. Yeah. 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 Everybody in the film is great. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, his, his little, what's the, the character's name? Like Rosen, Rosencrantz or something like something. Rosenthal. Was it Rosenthal? Rosenthal? Rosen somebody, I think <laughs> like something like very innocent sounding. Yeah. <laughs> I, I forgot what it was, but it was something like that. Well, let's see. IMDb always knows. So. Maybe she'll check it out. Well, I hope I'm remembering right. <laughs> I was going to say, feel free to talk amongst yourself. <laughs> but, um, so then this is an iconic movie for you, Suzanne. Uh, kind of. This was a really funny movie. Um, I, I had heard, now I didn't hear this until, you know, years and years later, but I had heard that this was supposed to be a Sylvester Stallone film, and he didn't want to do it. Really? Yeah. Uh, now, can you even imagine? Like, it just completely would not. It would just no. be like a throwaway movie, you know? It would. It would. Just Eddie Murphy just brought so much just, like, joy and hysteria yeah. to this yeah. film. Well, and the energy alone that you had to have for, absolutely, you yeah. know, all of these, all of the action scenes, all the running and, you know, when he's on the truck with the Marlboros and, ah. God, yeah, it's uh, it was Detective Billy Rosewood. Rosewood. Uh, yeah. I knew there was a rose in there. Yeah. Like, you know, he was a bud. He was a little budding flower. Now, yes. thinking yes. about the scene but. where he's at the country club and he's trying to get in to talk to Victor Maitland, you know, and he mm. acts, you know, like, well, I was with him last night and um, I got to the doctor <laughs> and, you know, I yeah. put a piece of 10. <laughs> I couldn't see yeah. Stallone doing that. No. No, I bet that was not in the script. <laughs> yeah. I bet it was Eddie Murphy. I'm sure it was. I'm sure you you it was have a talent because... like Eddie Murphy. You, 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 I think you would have – it would be a disservice to not let him you know, go a little ad lib sure. on stuff. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, I just like a Robin Williams that's... movie. You've got to imagine. You know, They're like, okay, Robin, you just do what you do. And we'll, we'll try to keep up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a little aside, uh, one thing I loved about this movie, and everybody kind of loved at the time, and it like made a whole career for him. Bronson Pinchot was the the art gallery manager. Yeah. Yes. And, in the beginning of the film, and he did the little accent that you know <laughs> turned into a whole uh, a whole series on, on Perfect Strangers. Yeah. He yeah. was just, he, so funny. Just oh. in that. 
that little role. Uh, you know, well, I remember it was only like a 15-minute thing, but him and Eddie Murphy together were just hysterical. They were. Mm. Yeah. Such great comedic timing and yeah, the story actually wasn't bad either. I mean, you think about it. I mean, it's a fish out of water kind of a thing. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he's been told to take some time off. Of course he does. And goes out to California and visits some friends. And, uh, yeah, just pokes his nose where it doesn't belong. Because he's a cop. He's a cop first. Right. Yeah, it was a kind of kind of similar to that the theme in uh, that was going on in Die Hard, where, you know, he was a New York cop who just came out to kind of try and win back over his ex or near ex. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, gets caught in the middle of all this crap, but. Oh yeah. You know, so it was a little formulaic in that regard, but yeah. once again, if it was Sylvester Stallone, it would be like a, a formulaic knockoff, but. With Eddie Murphy, it's like the best damn Eddie Murphy movie that, <laughs> that's out there. So, right. well, yeah, one of my favorite scenes, and I know this isn't you know indicative to who I am, but it it kind of it set the tone to me for the rest of the movie because these doc these doctors these cops are so straight laced and by the book and they're just uptight. You know, and he takes them into a strip club. Yeah. Or they find him. They find him in the strip club. And he's just trying to get them, like, to lighten up. You know, it's like, goodness, you know, this is, I think, better when my mind is distracted. You know, <laughs> I'm just thinking to myself, yeah, okay, you're obviously on a whirlwind of a thought pattern there, buddy. <laughs> yeah, right? You'd think the California guys would be the laid back ones. I don't know oh, what the yeah. heck happened there. Well,. There, and see, I think probably Taggart was probably the uh, more experienced of the two, I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. And Rosewood, you know, just maybe he's like a rookie, just really not. Um, yeah, I think he was trying to have fun with things and kept gotten, getting discouraged. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <'Cause laughs> he's he, embarrassing he, the hell out of his partner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that, you're right. That's such an amazing movie. Betty Murphy in it. All right, let's move on to the next one. Uh, what else sure. we got? Ghostbusters we talked about. Cha-cha. So Raiders of the Lost Ark, number five on the list. Um, so, yeah, this was you know solidifying Harrison Ford as a major force. I mean, not only did we have him as Han Solo in you know, that successful franchise, but you know to throw him in as you know an archaeologist you know, in Raiders. Um, and... Yeah, I I think I've said it before, but my wife was big into Harrison Ford. In fact, you know, it, he'd be if he ever came along knocking on the door. I I mean, I would have to give her up. You know, <laughs> you know, she would go with him. Um, so so luckily that hasn't happened. But you know, the good news is that uh, the movie kicks ass. But I after watching Big Bang Theory, I um I I heard the theory about. Basically, this whole movie, you could have taken Indiana Jones out of it, and the whole sequence of events would have happened anyway. And I was like, what the? Really? Wow. And she's right. So did that ruin it for you? (laughs) Well, it it, it gives me pause to rethink this movie as a great movie. 
you know, and it's like, that doesn't make sense to me now. But I mean, it does make sense. And they're right. Because they w- the, the Germans would have gotten the Ark. They would have opened it up. They all would have died. You know, and maybe the only thing that would have changed is there would have been more of the Germans because Indy wouldn't have killed them. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and I'm like, but, you know, it's like, wow. You know, to think of it like that, where he really didn't, you know, he helped move the story along and it was epic. You know, I mean, especially at the beginning, you know, just the, the big boulder that's coming down and, you know, he's running away from it. You know, that's the I, the mm-hmm. iconic scene that we're always thinking of. You know, um, to me, the thing that I always thought was funny was the scene where the, the guy has the blades and he's whipping them all around and then Indy just pulls the gun out and shoots him. You know? <laughs> and I had yeah, heard, I had heard that was ad-libbed. I had heard because he yeah. was, oh, he was funny. sick that day and he was just like, yes, screw it. I'm tired. Let's just mm-hmm. get through the scene. Yeah. And I think it was supposed yeah, to be I more of an epic blue. battle. And he just was like, they, he pulled his gun out, shot it. They're like, that works. Let's use it. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Everybody laughed. Yep. That was a big laugh. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, go ahead. How is anybody in the world ever going to have a career to compare to Harrison Ford? To be that charismatic and in those big franchises. Yeah. He just yeah. dims the dims the light for anybody else wants to have a career in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. I, I would say probably the only name that would, you know, be comparable, uh, but not in a franchise perspective, is uh, Tom Hanks. Yeah. I guess uh, Tom Hanks has a great had a great career, but he's not exactly a heartthrob. Right. You know, like you no, can't, you're right. you can't adventure hero to that in, in franchises. But... Uh, I don't know. See, I've had debates with people who have said, well, in the future, they're not even going to have actors. They're just going to computerize everybody, and then they don't have to pay anybody, and that's how movies are going to be made. I can't buy any of that. You know why? Uh... Indiana Jones and Raiders of the Lost Ark was an amazing movie because Harrison Ford is amazingly charismatic, and you can't create that in a computer a person has has to have that quality you know so uh, i think he was pretty darn amazing throughout his career yeah i can argue that yeah well Big toy story the toy thing toy story i mean toy stories i love toy story yeah, and I mean those characters. You know, you 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 fell in love with those characters, and they were computer generated. Well, that's true. That's true. They were computer generated, but you fell in love with the, the character because of Tom Hanks or Tim Allen because they were voiced by real people. Right. right. Those were performances yeah. that you can't reproduce by someone no. who doesn't have that same level of charisma and right. talent. So. All right. Well, I was just trying to give a counterpoint, but you you you've sold me. <laughs> well, that's that's what I'm getting at. Yeah. In, in other words, they were saying, you know, you're not really going to need actors because you can create the performances yourself on a computer. Right. But you still need the actor. You still need the talented person to be able to draw in to give that performance, even if it's 
being given through some animated character. Right. Yeah. Right. I just. And in fact, I, I, they, sorry. Go ahead. No. No. Go ahead. Well, when they do animate those characters, they will watch the performance. They will take the people who are give, doing the voice acting, and they will imitate. You know, the, the animation will imitate their gestures and such. So well, I, I think they, yeah. They, yeah, they know they need that. They know they need that performance to be communicated on screen. Right. Right. Okay. I, I like I said, I, I mean, I was just thinking, you know, there, there, there has been examples where, you know, the actor is not shown on screen, but you still, you know, it becomes like a beloved, you know, character, you know, that you can really get into. Um, so, but you're right. They still do need to have the, the setup, you know, by, you know, uh, either a voice actor or, um, you know, something along those lines. But Pixar does a wonderful job with that kind of thing. But like I said, <laughs> I can see, I, I can see that kind of thing evolving into a, you know, a, I want to say, um, yeah, somewhat intelligent computer generated type of uh formula. I mean I mean I I'm playing with the Oculus and I'm you know, uh floored by the way technology is growing by leaps and bounds. So it wouldn't surprise me at all. Right. You know, in the future where, you know, there's going to be a virtual character that, you know, you have people liking more than real people. So and Okay. That, and I can I, think of one right now. Okay. I could think of one right now. Uh, you talk about Pixar, the desk lamp. Yeah. Yeah, the the the, the short film that they did, the desk lamp. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it ended up becoming the icon. Right. You know, for Pixar, unless it was the icon for Pixar, and then they decided to make like a short from it. But still, I mean, it has no words. It has no. You know, there's no voice actor that's behind it. So they had to pretty much take an inanimate object and make people fall in love with it. Or even Wally. They're, they're amazing at Pixar. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how they do it. They're I don't think amazing. they ever sleep. That's what it is. <laughs> I think there's people like around the clock that just work constantly. I, I guess in that case, if you're saying that the animator is the one who has the charisma and the talent that they can produce that kind of performance. I guess in that case, you know, that that's something that Pixar mm-hmm. proves that they can do. Yeah. And that the, the performance is kind of being given by the animators and by the director. Right. So I guess I can't argue with that because they are amazing. Yes. Yeah, what I what I know is their formula is that they find a good story first, and that's where it starts. Mm-hmm. So they're not just going, yeah. "Oh, we need a, a you know another movie here," you know. It's yeah, or hard drop. Yeah. So. Yeah. So and that's that's a proven formula for them, you know, because I I can't think mm-hmm. of a bad Pixar movie. Okay. Uh, Probably. So were we done with Raiders? Yeah, I have nothing to add to that. Okay. okay. So next up, Batman. Um, I, I quickly 
dodged past it because, you know, I was like, I, I've already spent so much time talking about my love affair with this movie. Um, but, you know, it, I, 1989 was the summer of Batman for me. Uh, and, mm-hmm. yeah, I've, you know, I've told the story, but, you know, it's just what floored me by this movie was because this was a version of Batman that I wasn't used to. And knowing now that that's what Batman should have been all along, you know, we had the 66 Batman, which was like very campy, uh, you know, um, Adam West version. Mm -hmm. We had the Mm -hmm. Super Friends Batman. uh, And and Mm -hmm. that's what, you know, the, the Batman version that everybody had given us before, you know, this. But then, you know, when you went to the theater and you had a very dark, menacing Gotham City. And it was just creepy as all hell. But then, mm-hmm. you know, you had this, you know, this guy that, you know, was in the shadows and, you know, did everything that was in his power to write, you know, the stuff that was going wrong in Gotham City. You know, and mm-hmm. it, it's a horrible city. <laughs> I don't know why anybody mm-hmm. chooses to live there. But, um, you know, even Jack Nicholson in this movie, one of his famous lines is like, decent people shouldn't live here. So, right, you, know, yeah. you know, and it was, it, it blew me away. It just absolutely blew me away. Yeah. Um, I cannot say, you know, enough good things about this movie. I think Nicholson was beyond brilliant uh, as Joker, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's only shadowed by Heath Ledger when that happened. Uh, but that mm-hmm. was a whole different Joker version, you know. Mm-hmm. Nicholson mm-hmm. had his own take on it, and I think he did it fabulously. Keaton, I think, is completely believable as a Bruce Wayne and a Batman. The problem that we've had with Batman movies since this version is that you typically can't get that formula right of someone that's believable as both roles. Yes. You know, and I think Michael Keaton did it great. Um, don't even get me started with Val Kilmer and George Clooney. <laughs> don't even. I don't want to. Oh, George go, Clooney. Don't want to go Things down there. Things to the dive yeah. with George Clooney. Yep. So. Yeah. The best part about that movie was the end. <laughs> so. Well, I, when they rolled into the you know the end credits with uh, Seal. Yeah. Doing Kiss from. So. That's a good song. Yes, very good song. And, and my favorite, my, 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 my favorite my villain team. is uh, Two Face, and even that wasn't helpful. You know, Tommy Lee Jones is great, but for some mm-hmm. reason I. I didn't believe it. I just, I, I didn't get into the menacing, you know, character that should have been Two-Face in that version of it. Right. Michael Which... Keaton was my favorite Batman, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I liked the fact that he wasn't like this big, tall, broad-shouldered Batman, that he was a little more of an everyman. Yeah. Who Average. Out how to fight, how to be a superhero. He wasn't like born with some kind of powers, and I think that's part of the essence of Batman and what makes him stand out from some of the other mm-hmm. heroes out there, and you know the mythology, let's say, of uh, comic books. Yes. So I bought it. I bought it, and I thought he did a really good job, even though he was known as kind of this goofy comedy act. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It was he did a turn for this. Yeah. And he had the right amount of attitude, too, because a lot of his characters that he portrayed 
in his movies, you know, a bit of smart ass. You know, mm-hmm. So he had just enough of that to not be too much, you know, for uh, Bruce Wayne right. and Batman. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Stop. Stop or go lay down. All right. No, no. All right. So we talked about Empire Strikes Back, or at least I did. I don't know if you guys had anything to add to <laughs> it. You kind of did when we talked about it. I think so. Yeah. yeah. Here's some stuff in. Uh, Return of the Jedi, we kind of melded into that a little bit. Um, yeah. but we, didn't, we didn't spend a lot of time talking about Ewoks. Um, so <laughs> no. we, we can't go you know, past this movie without giving some credit to Ewoks. Um, uh-huh. I, I, it's, it's weird to think about, but how did these furry little creatures end up being able to destroy so many stormtroopers? You know, these stormtroopers uh-huh. who, who can't hit anything on the side of a bus with their lasers all of a sudden you throw some logs and stones at them and then all of a sudden they're tripping up and dying um it's like dude come on what happened to being you know the the empire (laughs) so um (laughs) so you know return of the jedi had that and you also you know uh for for the geek boy in me uh, you know, being able to throw Princess Leia in the slave costume, yeah, that uh, that did it for me. Yeah, that, that did it for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah, that just totally took me by surprise. I was just like, oh, you know, gasp. Princess Leia looks like a hooker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not a, not a high feminist moment yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> but, not at but all very iconic. she made it work yeah she made it I work guess, I mean, she, she looked great yeah um i do agree like the ewok the whole ewok business to me was kind of an oh it's in the script type of moment you know like they wanted to throw in a bunch of teddy bears so that they could bring no, you know boy. make it appealing to children right <laughs> yeah. and sell bed sheets and teddy bears and it was a bit of silliness, but it, you kind of overlooked it because you just were still rooting for the for the Jedi and all that kind of stuff. So, but it was it was silly. <laughs> <laughs> they were silly. This one this film was a little over over the top compared to the others. I think Luke turned into this very pretentious. That um, his language changed. His he was not the same Luke that you know I fell in love with when I was twelve. So it wasn't like I wouldn't dump on the movie because it's very exciting. And yeah. There's a lot of cool stuff about it, but it's right. not quite the same movie as it started out. You know when it gets to this point. No. I thought Luke was very badass in this one. I thought that was this is the Luke that I wanted throughout the whole series. Hmm. <laughs> I think I liked young and innocent Luke. Got it. <laughs> or the or the one who was like working out with the shoulders showing <laughs> <laughs> in the swamp of Dagobah, but, you know, doing one-handed you know handstands and stuff with with a muppet on his back. Yeah, he looks good though. But but another good uh, another addition in the uh, Jedi uh, you know is the addition of Billy D, you know he uh, yeah mm-hmm. yeah 
You gotta love Lando. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the whole concept of the Cloud City was kind of neat. It was a nice addition. The the way that the their environments changed for this film, you know. Right. I think they went out of their way to make it feel fresh in that regard in that one. Well, actually, Lando was in Empire, but um, you know, he's more predominant here in this one. At least, you know, he's redeeming his character a bit uh, in this one with helping him get mm-hmm. you know Han free. Yeah. Definitely. Um, did you have anything to add about Jedi, uh, Rose? Uh, it was a great film. Um, I didn't watch it very often. I mean, we own it, but it's not something that I revisit on a regular basis. Okay. So um, I agree with uh Suzanne, as far as the premise of this movie and the, what do you call it? The, um, in the, the installment of the series, this is definitely the more higher polished of the three. You know, it's almost as if they, you know, they've gotten more money behind them. Uh, they maybe added another team of writers or something and, they were just really, I don't know. I think they were going whole hog because, you know, this was the end. And uh, they, they had to, you know, make a grand exit. So everything needed to be wrapped up and finalized. Uh, I I thought the Ewoks were a bit, eh. <laughs> you know, and I really didn't think they were that cute. <laughs> they're kind of scary looking to be honest with you <laughs> but that's just me you know with little tiny bear like you know furry things chasing after you with spears I mean it's nothing exciting to me but um, but no it was it was it was really good uh, I think uh, everybody had pretty much come into their own by this time and uh, you know it, 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 you know, the final chapter, supposedly, or although I don't remember if it said that, or was it a question mark? I can't remember. But well, towards the end in the credits. But um, yeah, it was good, definitely. I honestly wish, you know, that they would have just left it at that, but they didn't. Yeah, somebody finally uh, decided, uh, you know. Uh, expand the uh, you know the franchise uh, and and, mm-hmm. and let you know Lucas continue you know the story. Um, yeah. So I mean, yeah, you know, there's a whole different debate about Jar Jar Binks. Um, yeah, I, I I'm not going to oh, go down no. that road. Um, no, thank yeah. you. Yeah, but um, you know, to to piggyback on what you're what you're saying about the Ewoks about being kind of scary, mm-hmm. let's not forget the fact mm-hmm. that they were getting ready to eat Luke and Han, yeah, and a mm-hmm. dinner. That's true. Yeah, and a dinner to yeah, right. You know, for C-3PO because they thought he was you know their god, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, so it's like yeah, let's go ahead and cook these guys up and uh, let's get going. You know, it's like. What what, what 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 are they doing? What? <laughs> <laughs> and then Leia's just right there going, like, tell them to stop, you know? Yeah. Like, Come on. 
All right, so that gets us to number one. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, the, the biggest grossing 1980s movie, uh, and no big surprise, E.T., The Extraterrestrial. Um, I remember, you know, at the time I was all on board of this, you know, at, give me the Reese's Pieces, you know, I'm, you know, that, you know, I, that's what I want. You know, I want Reese's Pieces now. You know, I don't eat M&M's, mm-hmm. I want Reese's Pieces because that's what, you know, uh, E.T. eats. Um, they... They tried with M and M's. The M and M people turned them down. Yeah, you get a kick in their butts <laughs> right now, aren't they? Um, <laughs> yes. But still to this day. Yeah, but um, yeah, such a heartwarming story. Um, I remember when my first viewing of this, I did cry at the part where, you know, they were, you know, surgically trying to analyze ET, and he was getting sick. Uh, and looked like he was dying, you know, and you know, that was an emotional moment. You know, I mean, the only the only comparable thing I have to go on there is when Artax was dying from Never Ending Story, you know, when mm-hmm. you know, trying to get him from, you know, out of the swamp. Artax, no! You know, it's you, you put mm-hmm. me that, you mm-hmm. put me E.T. sick and dying. It's like, ah, oh, tug at the heartstrings, why don't you? Um, yeah. It, so this movie had heart. It, it, that's what I mean. It, a fantastic adventure, you know. And you had the uh, uh, you know Elliot with the you know his brothers and you know and you know mm-hmm. the friends and all that. So it's it kind of had some elements of Goonies kind of a deal also, you know, which helped really tie in, you know, from the the kid perspective. But I could see. Mm-hmm. You know, because of the movie having so much heart, how it would appeal to, you know, just about anybody. Um, so, love this movie. Absolutely love it. Uh, and then, you know, mm-hmm. the 80s would not be the same if you didn't have the the big scene of the moon with a silhouette of, you know, the bike and E.T. in the basket. Yeah. yeah. It's true. So, um, Rose, what are your thoughts on E.T.? Oh my gosh. This movie was um, such a go-to film uh, when, you know, it it came out on video um, and we would rent it and my kids just loved it. I loved it. My kids loved it. Um, I think I've spoken about this before later. Uh, I was in a thrift store and I found the story on vinyl and uh, Michael Jackson did uh, either he did the narration and then he did a song a couple songs in there Um, of course one of them ended up being one of my favorites that I would sing to my kids as a lullaby when they were little and um once again, a little bit far-fetched premise, but, you know, we've been waiting. We've been waiting for the aliens to come forever. And uh, one finally comes, and he's non-threatening, and he doesn't want to take over the world. He just wants to phone home so somebody can pick him up, you know. And uh, I, I just kind of, I kind of fell in love with, the whole storyline 
because it's it's really hard to get a good a really good children's movie that's not insulting the characters or you know poking fun at adults or something like that there's so many of them out there that just you know should not have even been made but I won't get into that but I think the moment when you realize that he's just like everybody else he's an alien but he's got feelings and he cares about people and Elliot's his friend you know it's just like he's he doesn't he's not an alien anymore it he is but he isn't ah and it's just yeah so you know the iconic scene with the bicycles and him under the blanket you know in the basket in the front super cool that's always going to be an amazing uh, feat of special effects um true barrymore oh my goodness how could you not love <laughs> true barrymore in this movie because you know she just was you know from the first scream until you know, she starts snotting at the nose and she's like, I'm gonna miss you. <laughs> you know? <laughs> she like, was destined for greatness. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> cry on cue. Or however it is that they make you cry when you're in Hollywood. But um, it's a great, it deserves to be at number one. You know, I, I think recently they did kind of a, a I can't remember what year it was last year, maybe the year before last. Everybody's like all grown up. I don't think Drew Bear. I think Elliot was a dad and he's got kids. Oh, you're talking about the commercials. And he, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and he comes back, you know, and looks the same. I mean he's just taller. <laughs> <laughs> the actor, not the alien. Yeah. But um it's just you know, just it was perfect. And it just, I don't know, every so often, you know, movie companies and directors and producers to get really super lucky. You know, I don't think anybody starts out. and They do because that's just feel, you know, this is going to be the best movie ever. It's going to do this, the box office. And we just need to get some really good actors in there. Sometimes having really good yeah. actors, you know, well-known celebrities not always necessary not always necessity i should have said you know throw some people in there preconceptions yeah when you you know like you know what a tom cruise movie is going to be about when you start out (laughs) exactly you know what if risky business didn't have tom cruise in it of course he wasn't really he i think he was just coming off of outsiders not really sure I mm. probably preferred him in The Outsiders over Risky Business. Yeah. Because that's just me. That's just me. Because of the, the movie itself. Right. Uh-huh. So, but yeah. So, excellent movie. Great movie. Uh, I have it in my library. Since yeah, I, I guess in this it. film, then, because they didn't really have actors that anybody would recognize... The star of the movie is E.T., right. you know? The star yeah. of the movie is, is the 
Alien. I don't know. Well, I guess the animatronics, but you know what I mean. Yeah. The, mm-hmm. He's the title character, and he's there's nothing. There's no. There's not like huge star power taking anything away from that. But yet the performances were terrific. Those kids were all very good uh, actors. They were. They delivered the whole film. Um, yeah. And it's really. Uh, pulls at your heartstrings at the end of the film when they have to be separated. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, m- what I remember most is that moment where, you know, E.T. says, come, and Elliot says, stay. And, yeah. You know, it just kind of, it just kind of gets you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and that, that one, and I don't even know if I can say it without crying. I probably can't because I'm already doing it. You know what he points to his heart. Yeah, yeah. I'll be right here. Mm-hmm. By the way, Rose, thank uh, you for bringing up the uh, the audiobook. I didn't know that existed, but I just googled uh, it, and it's actually available on YouTube. So you can li- nice. you can listen to Michael mm-hmm. Jackson doing the audiobook. Yeah, looks like it's all, I'm wearing a dark. It's like 38 minutes. Yeah, it's not very long. It's very cool. And I, and I remember losing it. Somehow I, I lost it. I don't know what happened, and I lost it, and I, I was able to find it again. So I was, I'm was i obviously supposed to have it. <laughs> um, so, all right, I think that wraps up the list, right? You guys have anything else to add? Yeah. That was a Actually, long list. <laughs> Actually, I do. If it's okay, okay. can I can I say something about Batman? Oh, sure. <laughs> did I say anything about Batman? Of course. I I um, I'm madly in love with Michael Keaton. Um, just you would watch all of his movies, and uh, when I found out that he was going to be Batman, I thought I got nervous because I thought, oh, I don't know. I'm so glad someone else admits that. Pull that off? Yeah, I was I was you like know? the Mr. Mom guy. Are they serious? Yeah. Yeah. And then I thought, you know, I was actually more thinking Johnny Dangerously. But, <laughs> you know, I was just like. I love that movie. Okay. This should be interesting. Yeah. You know, but he did. He did a great job. And then I found out later that he's a little nutty. <laughs> there were a lot of moments during filming of, of Batman where he kind of went off on people. There's at one point where he totally destroyed his trailer. Because uh, this guy wanted to interview him, and you know he didn't want to be bothered, so he just took a bunch of chairs and things. And did not know that at crazy. all. Wow. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. The soundtrack is amazing. Of course, Prince. You know how could it not be? Oh, of course. Um, I That's guess he wanted, he wanted to be Batman. Who did? Uh, Prince. Prince. Oh yeah. Prince yeah. auditioned auditioned for the role. And he was turned down. But oh, well. it's okay. He got the girl, though. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah, he totally got that one. So, yeah. Excellent movie. Love it. Still, to me, the best Batman ever. Agreed. Completely. Agree. Um, but, yeah. I had I, I had these same worry, uh, you know, the same thoughts, the same worries, you know. But you're right when you see certain ways that he's handling himself in these movies that he's doing you know he's just right there on the edge of some sort of craziness you know you Mm -hmm. see it in Beetlejuice 
you you know you, you see yeah. little elements of it even in Mr. Mom, you know, and mm-hmm. yeah, you know, mm-hmm. so he he's he's right there, borderline craziness, and that's why I think he's believable as Batman. Yeah, you you believe that somebody like him would go, that's it, I'm done now. I'm I'm now going to do this, and you know, that's how I'm going to cope with things. And yeah, if you get my way, I'm just going to kick your butt. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. all right. Yeah. So sounds like we're kind of wrapping things up. Uh, you know, yeah. this is a, a bit more of a longer discussion than we've had lately. We've had you know yes. timer episodes, as I'm calling them. Uh, in my brain um, so we forego the timer and we're just like you know we're just going to ride this list out and talk about every movie and it was so much fun thank you Rose and Suzanne <laughs> you're very welcome thank you it's always fun yep. yes thank you for leading <laughs> no problem at all I hope you guys out there are having fun too <laughs> yeah I hope they're having fun they should tell us they, they should yes we want to know yeah. Who are you? you? Where are you us. from? Exactly. Interact with us. Talk to us. And you can do that yeah. by dropping us an email at fly at bonsairichclub.com or following us on all our different social media endeavors. Um, you know, our website will point you in the direction to all of those. So please go out there, check that out. I'm not going to spell it, but it's bonsairichclub.com. Uh, so with all of that being said, I just want to remind everybody that uh, no, I have not seen Bill and Ted three yet, but I am going to soon. Uh, and uh, the catchphrase there is just be excellent to each other. We mm-hmm. have no idea when you're going to listen to this, so have a good whatever. Bye-bye. Bye bye. 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 This is fun. A Bonsai Retro Club production. Bonsai, Daniel Hey, Bonsai! 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 <laughs> well, that was a lot of fun. It was. Yeah. It was a great idea. It was a marathon. Yeah, I know. That was totally groovy. Yeah. Yeah, I, um... What are we, you know... I miss the eighties. <laughs> yeah, I miss you. I, I think that's kind of uh, proof positive. That's the reason why we do this, right? <laughs> so mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, we should do one for the nineties too. Yeah, actually, good idea. Actually, I wonder what movies come up when you do that. Top Let's top see. ten highest grossing movies for nineties. I think you can actually use the word blockbuster. 1990s <laughs> movies. Okay, I'm looking at a list. It says top 10 movies. I don't know if that means top 10 grossing movies or just this is what our pick is. Yeah, I've got uh, according to IMDb. Yeah, I'm looking at the same one. Oh, this is based on IMDb's ratings. Oh, okay. Okay. These are good movies, though. Yeah, actually. Yeah, good, good, good. Uh, one that Rose doesn't like on that list. Okay. Good fellas.
Sounds of Lamb, Braveheart, Pulp Fiction, Shawshank, yeah. American Beauty. These are good films. And Schindler's List. Yeah. Yeah, actually, you're right. I wasn't a big fan of, wasn't a big fan of that one either. Schindler's List? Yeah. It's a, it's a, I mean, I'm I sure he did something. It. it was really difficult because if he wasn't eating, he was screwing somebody. And I thought, come on. There's got to be a little bit more to this guy. He's supposed to be some kind of hero or something. Can we, can we broaden the, the character arc a little bit? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll have to save, well, we'll have to save that save for that for, discussion. Yeah. <laughs> so. Okay. Agreed. All right. Awesome. Okay. All right. Well, you guys have nice a uh, yeah. Have a great night and a uh, Thank better week. You too. You too. Okay. All right. Talk to you soon. Yep. Bye. All right, guys. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.